thank you for choosing Tox News, your only source in reconfiguring the discussion to fit a political agenda. I am your host, the wacko weirdo, Rebel Scum, Jedi Hero. Today's date is May 28th, 2021. Let the record show. And we begin with the pledge. For I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. Well, 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 well. A couple of video segments. Don't want to spoil the surprises. I know how much people love political surprises, but I'm going to begin with this article coming from commondreams.org. Oh, boy. Um, My mom the other day asked me where Bernie Sanders is. And this article is for her to answer that question. So from Common Dreams, uh, we have Sanders warns Dems could lose Congress if they get mired in never-ending negotiations with GOP. And I really agree. I think the Dems would have a better time winning seats in the future if they abolish the filibuster, abolish electoral colleges, private health insurance, and private prisons. That's just Those are just a few small steps. I could see them taking into a brighter future with Democrat power forever. Um, probably not going to happen, as as if I would want Democrats to be in power forever. I'm just saying if they really wanted to win seats, they would completely sell their souls to the progressive uh, agenda, and then we can move on from there, but n- never going to happen. Anyways. Uh, The article begins, as the White House's fruitless infrastructure talks with Republican lawmakers persist with no deal in sight, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont warned Thursday that Democrats risk losing control of Congress if they get bogged down in unending negotiations with the GOP and fail to urgently confront the climate emergency, soaring prescription drug prices and other key issues. Quote, what happens if they spend week after week, month after month, negotiating with Republicans who have little intention of addressing the serious crises facing the working families of this country? Unquote. Sanders asked in a CNN op-ed. Quote, what happens if after the passage of the vitally important American rescue plan, the COVID-19 rescue package signed into law by President Biden in March, the momentum stops and we accomplish little or nothing? Unquote. Under such a scenario, the Vermont senator wrote, quote, there is a strong possibility that Republicans will win the House or the Senate or both bodies next year. Sanders continued saying the American people want action, not never ending negotiations and obstructionism, and they will not come out and vote for a party that does not deliver. And if the Republicans do regain control of Congress, we can be sure that the economy will move steadily forward toward a system in which the rich get richer thanks to increased corporate domination. We can be sure that the climate crisis will intensify, diminishing the likelihood of our children and grandchildren living in a healthy and habitable environment. We can be sure that our government will drift away from democracy as voter suppression, dark money, and conspiracy theories continue to dominate our political system. This is an unprecedented moment in American history. The Democrats in Congress must move forward boldly, protecting the working families of our country and restoring faith in government. Yes, the future of the country is at stake. Unquote. 
The Vermont senator's warning came hours after Senate Republicans unveiled the outlines of an infrastructure counteroffer calling for just $257 billion in new spending over the next eight years, a far cry from Biden's initial $2.2 trillion plan and the president's pared back $1.7 trillion proposal. Uh, senior Senate Democrats reportedly believe that, with bipartisan talks set to spill into next week and possibly beyond, they will not be able to complete work on the in eventual infrastructure and climate package by September 30th, the end of the fiscal year. A timeline that will let, that likely means additional months of inaction on voting rights, child care, immigration reform, and other top agenda items. Nothing better than an inefficient government... The article continues, earlier this week, Sanders cautioned that millions of voters will be disenfranchised and Democrats will become a permanent minority party without passage of the For the People Act. Uh, I think that's quite the hyperbole on Bernie's part there, but continuing here. A sweeping voting rights bill that is currently stuck in the Senate due to opposition from the GOP and Senator Joe Manchin. If passed, the legislation would counteract many of the Republican Party's attacks on ballot access at the state level. In his op-ed on Thursday, Sanders, the chair of the Senate Budget Committee, wrote that he is prepared to swiftly assemble and approve a far-reaching infrastructure and climate measure using Rick reconciliation a filibuster proof process that allows for the passage of spending bills with a simple majority vote but president joe biden the democratic leadership and conservative rank-and-file democrats such as Manchin, have thus far refused to endorse such a path opting instead to let weeks go by as bipartisan infrastructure talks continue to flounder during a Financial Times event on Tuesday, Manchin signaled that he would be willing to let the negotiations drag out until the end of the year in the interest of pursuing an unlikely compromise with the GOP. It's very fascinating because their proposal is, what, $257 billion in eight years, where uh, Biden's is literally multiple times that, I think at least 100 times spending on that. Uh, looking at 2.2 trillion compared to 257 billion, which I've said in my previous, I don't remember what episode, but I back a plan like any infrastructure plan that would spend $10 trillion in 10 years. Um, because we have a lot of work to do as far as that goes. Um, I, I can't believe you would spend not even half a trillion dollars on our infrastructure, which is like older than 50 years, most of it. So that's that's pretty wild. Uh, uh, all right. So, quote, legislative calendar is a precious commodity. New York Magazine's Eric Levitz wrote Monday, and Democrats may have even less time to enact their agenda than they realize. On average, 10 lawmakers have died in each two year Congress. Chuck Schumacher's uh, Schumer's geez, Schumacher Chuck Schumer's bare majority rests on the health of several senior citizens in states where Republican governors have the power to fill vacant Senate seats. Biden can't afford to waste more than a month on a charade, which is what the infrastructure negotiations have become. Awesome. The week's Ryan Cooper similarly argued in a column thursday that contrary to mansion's claim that a bipartisan deal is within reach congressional republicans obviously don't want biden to pass anything preferring instead to string him along with fake promises of bipartisanship running out the clock on the democratic majority until they get a chance at taking control of congress in the 2022 midterms 
Cool. Yeah, I like that. I really like the the partisanship here, the political theater going on while, you know, a pandemic has ravaged our economy and we're dealing with a crumbling infrastructure that is well over 50 years old. So, yes, let's let's um stop Democrats from doing stuff um, unless we have roads that don't have potholes in them. Quote, if that happens, Cooper wrote, they will try to strangle the economy by demanding massive austerity every time the government needs to pass a budget or raise the debt limit, trying to create a recession that Biden will be blamed for so that the Republican nominee, probably Donald Trump, will be elected in 2024. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it behooves them to, you know, stonewall the Democrats of getting anything done that would substantially improve the material conditions of Americans so that they can then use them as the scapegoat to get their dude reelected in 2024 as if you know we'll all eventually forget the stonewalling but if you're sold enough to the conservative party you're probably already looking the other way quote even the most conservative democratic members of congress agree on the need to do something on infrastructure they can either figure out internally and quickly what they want to do and pass that on a party line vote or they can do nothing and effectively collaborate with the republican plot to topple biden and set up one party rule those are the only options. And, that, and, and that's the article. That's essentially uh, where Bernie Sanders and a few other people analyzing the scenario that we're seeing unfold as literally as today, the vote, uh, not even a vote. There was a filibuster to block the debate on a 9-11 commission, which I'm not even a big fan of. But I do find it very interesting that they needed a certain amount of votes to even debate the bill and what Republicans would really oppose into finding out the true uh, origins of the um, Stop the Steal, which, you know, President Trump, and also the insurrection that happened on January 6th. I find it very interesting that they're focusing in like so hard on like where are the origins of the COVID-19. Now there's more proof that it leaked from a lab. Was it manipulated by the Chinese government? Find out tonight on nine. We're not really sure, but we'll keep pointing in that direction. They keep like feeding that narrative while like the narrative of who wanted to throw a coup in our capital is just like quietly fading into the quiet, you know, the good night so that's cool you know forget the the insurrection that happened shit four months ago and let's focus in on what started the whole pandemic a year ago as if we can't handle both things at once but it does be behoove the republicans to block the 9-11 commission from figuring out the exact origins of the insurrection what the exact goals of the oath keepers patriot prayer everyone three percenters Everyone who was involved with the QAnon movement had going on with it. Let's ignore all the truth going on over there because it might implicate some Republicans. And let's focus on the origins of uh, COVID-19 because it makes Anthony Fauci and China look bad. So there's a lot of interest for the Republicans to go that route. But we're not going to get into that. We're not because I feel like I already sufficiently summarized it. We have Dennis Prager here wrecking john oliver on israel palestine conflict i feel like you could upload this video and give it the same title on Pornhub or you porn or something and be like dennis prager penetrates john oliver's argument you know <laughs> anyways um yeah so you know everybody who is a conservative pundit is talking about the same exact things you go over to candace owens channel uh michael knowles's channel 
Ben Shapiro's channel, Louder with Crowder, they're all talking about how Demi Lovato is a bad person for deciding to be non-binary. And all of them also took the time to say, hey, Israel's not as bad as you think. You know, Hamas shoots tons of rockets and kills civilians too. And so everybody like just that echo chamber effect just keeps, you know, bouncing off the walls inside their hollow skulls. And so here we are with Dennis Prager doing the same thing that literally everybody else has been doing for the past two weeks, which is responding to John Oliver saying, hey, this is a little fucked up. So I just wanted to get into that five minute snack. And then um, I got a video segment that I haven't even watched at all yet. And I'm kind of curious how it's going to go. And we'll get there when we get there. Um, strap in, strap in my toxins. We're uh, Let me go to the Middle East we're off. and then... Uh, I'm going to comment on a, uh, what would we call him, a late night show? A guy who does a late night show, John Oliver, has talked about the Middle East. And uh, I'm simply going to use his monologue on the Middle East by way of answering a lot of the attacks on Israel. Take a look at uh, John Oliver here, and I will interrupt to make some comments. This is a reaction podcast to a reaction video because essentially he's watching John Oliver on his iPad reacting to it as I react to his reactions. The Matrix is real and we're all dimensions reacting to other dimensions layered upon each other. And this is proof. I, that had nothing to do with the discussion. I just, I just think it's interesting whenever I do a reaction to a reaction video. Citizens of Gaza don't have an Iron Dome to protect them the way that the citizens of Israel do. It's one of the many ways they're at a significant disadvantage. Although, and it's- All right, wait, wait. Therefore what? Notice there is no question about the... Already we have... My, my favorite part is, and I'm doing it too, is that like Prager says, therefore what? Which literally, like, he didn't allow John Oliver to finish his, like, he had the premise, you know, Israel has the Iron do Dome, therefore, here comes the conclusion, but Prager pauses it and goes, therefore what, John? You know, when he could have let the video play a little bit longer to get that therefore part. So, um, yeah, and then I I interrupted him before he could even respond to the whole thing this is a mess but i find it very interesting that he's like therefore what john as if like john wasn't coming to a conclusion or that he like this isn't the beginning of the argument it's such a weird approach to cut it off from there the citizens of gaza don't have an iron dome to protect them to protect them against what is israel shooting rockets all over uh, gaza like gaza is like hamas is doing to israel thousands did Israel start the war or did Hamas start the war? You know what? Hamas wasn't even around at the beginning of the Israeli-Palestine uh, conflict. And I would probably say Britain started the war. Um, Britain made both promises to the Ottoman Empire and the Jewish people that they would be able to retain Palestine. Um, so that was that was Britain's fault. Um, is he talking about the 2014 conflict? Because, you know, Hamas was around then, but that wasn't the beginning of the Israel-Palestine conflict either. That was just another uh, kind of moment within the, 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 the war of many moments. So, 
Um, also, too, he says, like, protect Hamas from what? Um, not really concerned about Hamas being protected. They're a militant group, so them being protected is kind of ridiculous. They fight wars. We're talking about Palestinian people. They don't have an Iron Dome in the same way that the Israeli citizens do to protect themselves from uh, rocket fire that doesn't necessarily have advanced targeting systems like the F-16s that Israel uses to bomb pretty much anywhere in Gaza that they want. So I don't know why Prager's playing this like, you know, naive, ignorant game of like, protect them from what? Like, like there wasn't 200 Palestinian citizens killed within two weeks, you know? Protect them from what? From dying, dude. Hitler's Germany didn't have nearly the same defenses to defend Germany as uh, Britain had to defend Britain by the end of World War II. Does that make Hitler a victim? Does that what does that even make? What does that even mean? How how does that, how is that even the same thing? Because like Hitler used uh, the Blitzkrieg to bomb like British civilian areas as well so you know if you're gonna <laughs> look at comparisons here comparing hamas to hitler is not apt there's there's a different government here that's a, li a little bit more hitler-like than the the hamas militants does that make the nazis victims would he prefer I mean, that I israel not are losers of wars victims so like if you know Ber berlin is getting invaded they're getting pushed back they're suffering the most casualties they are victims but they're victims of war so there's a little bit of less sympathy points that human beings are willing to give to them but again it's not a very apt situation here hamas isn't invading israel like palestinian citizens are barely able to leave the west bank they're not allowed to leave gaza at all um this isn't an apt comparison except for the, you know, the comparison that Israel is committing an ethnic cleansing of Palestinians, which we seem to be ignoring here for some reason, as if we're okay with it. Have an Iron Dome? And then, and then what? So, in other words, this is part of the left-wing demoralization of morality, that it, the, the weak are necessarily... In the right, it's 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 truly it's truly pathologic. And Israeli military spy. Oh my God! And then he 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 appears to hit play, but it skips forward. So not only did he go therefore what John, as if John hadn't reached his conclusion because he didn't because he paused it. Then we skip the conclusion. Like this is this is exactly what a bad faith argument would do is only address certain context of information and ignore all else that has nothing to do with moving your argument along. Like that's exactly what this is doing, Prager, and you look so comfortable looking very smart with your books behind you, but you literally just skipped forward in a video that is 6 minutes long. A video explaining the conflict that is longer than the video of you reacting to it. Shame on you, old man. Shame. Spokesperson tried to push back on the idea that there's really much of a discrepancy there. Somebody on Twitter said that the Palestinians don't have an Iron Dome. I say yes, they have an Iron Dome. It's called don't fire rockets at Israeli civilians and we won't fire anything at Gaza. That was brilliant. That's exactly right. Their Iron Dome is don't kill us. That's exactly right. The, the spokesman, and he's going to make fun of it, I assume. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put it up. 
that spokesman for Israel was, it was so real. The, the left loathes the real. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's a dissection of, of reality. Yes, they have an Iron Dome. Don't try to slaughter us. Make peace with us. That's their Iron Dome. Then, then everything is possible. Here's a question, the only question one has to reflect on. If Israel dropped its arms completely, it just demilitarized, no more army, no more navy, no more air force, no more use of arms, what would happen the next day? And if the Palestinians, no more fighting, no more terror, no more rockets, no more arms, what would happen the next day in that case? Well, we know if Israel did it, the next day they would be genocide of the Jewish people of Israel. Whereas if- Which is funny because uh, Palestine, neither Palestine nor Hamas would be able to genocide um, Israel, mainly because Israel has a massive infrastructure. Yes, if Israel got rid of its military, I'm sure like outside forces like Iran or Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, any of those nations around him would probably see the benefit of invading and doing more damage than Hamas could. Um, if Hamas was to dissolve as well, uh, it's not like Israel would be like, oh, okay, we have no reason to, you know, displace and kill these Palestinians because they've been doing that prior to the existence of Hamas. It's, it's so weird because like this specific set of conflict started with the displacement of what, what was it? What was it like 10 families no, or four families? It was like four between four and 10 families in the Sheikh Jarrah era. This had nothing to do with Hamas until Hamas, you know, came to the results after a bunch of protesters and a bunch of the, the family members were displaced and beaten the shit out of. Um, there was massive unrest to the point where the IDF then responded with violence on the civilians. Hamas responded with rockets. Israel says the rockets have come out. It's time to use the F-16s. The F-16s had utterly killed 200 civilians, way higher than the toll that Hamas had gotten from its rockets. And we're sitting here like this is all okay, like fine. Israel is defending itself as if they're not poking the bear and then proceeding to trap the bear in and smack it a whole bunch as, as much as they can after the bear retaliates for being poked. So I, I I don't know. It's it's a bit of a sloppy argument. Um, just because like yet again, it's ignoring context. Like Hamas didn't necessarily start this particular uh, moment in the conflict. It was the displacement of the family, the uh, the uh, Israel courts ignoring the agreement that those families had with Jordan, uh, even ignoring the UN classifying this resettlement as uh, illegal under international law. They continued to displace these families. It caused unrest and protests. To that unrest and protest, they responded with state violence with the IDF, which then responded with Hamas. Hamas coming to the rescue of the Palestinians because that's what they do. And then here we are. So like, man, I, I like, it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating to just think that like Israel has every right to do what it does just because of the Holocaust. And then that means that even implicates that they too can commit a Holocaust just because they had experienced so much persecution. They can do it to the Palestinians with absolutely no regard.
If the Palestinians uh, demilitarized, there would be peace the next day in the Middle East. That's what everyone who, who dares look at reality knows. Who is anyone who dares to look at reality? Because it is not, it, 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 it's, you know, it sounds common sense, like as if like the Palestinians are literally the, the driver of all the conflict in the Middle East, when actually it's more likely to be Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Iran, and the United States, Russia, China, everyone but the Palestinians really are causing the most harm in the Middle East, mainly because the Palestinians are a very small minority group at this point. Um, so if they were to disarm themselves or if Hamas was to be, uh, you know, abolished or dissolved, then it wouldn't mean that the Palestinians would all of a sudden be safe and allowed to exist in Israel as it is now. Because as we've seen through history, their homes have been destroyed. They've been displaced. Their population has been decreased. It's a continual effort that goes through cycles every year. So the idea that Palestinians would be safe if they just stopped defending themselves is a uh, really harsh uh, way of looking at the world because it's, it, there's no guarantee of their safety if they do that. Israel has no interest in war. When it's honestly like too, it's very funny to me too, because like conservatives argue like, Oh, I need my second amendment to, dis to defend myself from a tyrannical government. But then when it comes to the Palestinians, like, Oh Yeah. Not them, though. They're, they're terrorists. They shouldn't be allowed to defend themselves. Ever there has been a war in the last 100 years, it has always been between two police states or between a police state and a free state. Never between what? two free states. They <laughs> don't fight each other. And whenever there is a free state police state battle, the police state started the battle whether it was Pearl Harbor or the, the, the Nazi invasion of Poland uh, or what is happening now with Hamas. Yeah, but that... <laughs> what? He just, like, leaped in logic so hard and, like, a fuck ton of just conflations that made absolutely no sense. But we, for one thing, we do know that the, the, the empire of Japan was bad because they bombed Pearl Harbor and then we also know that the regime, the fascist regime of not uh, of Germany was bad because they killed Jews. But like they, they have no similarities or comparisons to Hamas at all. Like that's literally just that's the type of shit where it's like, you know, they're Muslim. So uh, they're a lot like ISIS, you know, that's essentially what just happened. So I, I, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> There are a couple of differences. Iron Dome, for one, sounds much cooler. And also, it has the significance of... Wait, what does that even mean? Iron Dome sounds cooler than what? It, he talks well and fast, but he doesn't say anything meaningful. That's the amazing thing, too, is that this video of Prager is almost over. Um, we have like a minute left in it. And we've probably seen a cumulative 45 seconds of John Oliver's argument. And he's just dismissing it entirely. This is not how you have good faith discourse like or debate or whatever the fuck you want to call this. This isn't good faith. This is I'm going to tell people not to agree with this video kind of video. Okay, we'll continue.
defense system that exists, unlike Gaza's, which is mostly try not to be where the bombs are landing. And it's important to note here, the vast majority of the Palestinians in Gaza are not part of Hamas. Okay, so what? <laughs> Nothing. He says, he says, so what to that? He says, so what to that? Dude, they're killing civilians. What do you mean, so what? So what that Palestinians aren't Hamas? What do you mean, so what? That, like, the honest, like, such a quick dismissal of their humanity. Just like that. Like, they're not Hamas. And then he, immediately he just goes, so what? Kill them anyways. Like, what? Honestly. Like, no wonder Donald Trump got elected. Even after he said, you have to go after Muslims' families. You have to find the terrorist families and you have to kill them too. Like, that, this is exactly the kind of party that, it like, just stands on the platform of, we exterminate other people. Holy shit. He has, says, matters. The vast majority of, of uh, Germans were not Nazis. The vast majority of Russians were not communists. So what? So that gives a pass to killing the civilians of those countries, is what you're saying. That's so weird. That is that that is just wow. Wow. So for Ben Shapiro, his argument was like you can support Palestinians and not support Hamas, but if you support Palestine, you support Hamas. It's like this weird double thing that just ends up in a circle where somehow you support Hamas if you support the Palestinians and thus you support terrorism. And then here it just doesn't even matter. It just Nope. If if you if you care for the Palestinians at all, you're okay with the extermination of Hamas by any means necessary. That's that's fucking wild. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a meaningless point. Anyway, how does he know what the vast majority of of people in Gaza they didn't vote for Hamas? I don't know. Maybe they didn't. I, I'm sure the elections are rigged, but maybe they did. How does he know? Because you can you can research and find out, Prager. What do you mean? And there's people that are on your side who have made the argument that they, Ben Shapiro made the argument that they haven't had an election since the early 2000s. Michael Knowles made the argument that they did elect Hamas. He didn't specify when or how long ago it was, but at least there's some kind of consistency between the two, rather than just going like, I don't know, it could be either or, but either way, bomb them, bomb the fuck out of them. The fact that they're not members of Hamas, to the extent that that is true, so what? It's true for every police state. Thank you for watching this video. To help keep PragerU videos free, Okay, I I can't even address the police state argument because he never really made a full fledged argument as to how uh, Palestine is a police state. He didn't he didn't even care to explain that whatsoever. He just he just says it. And that's what I'm saying. This was a five minute and twenty five five minute and twenty five second video of a six minute long video to which he only played a cumulative forty five seconds of. Wow. Wow. And it's it sucks too because people who go out of their way to watch Prager videos are like intellectually hungry. They want to feed off of ideas, whether they're positive or toxic or not. They want ideas. They want to talk about politics. They want to talk about philosophy, cultural so social relationships. And yet what he offers them is let's be okay with extermination because Zionism's cool. 
because Jewish people should have a a, a, a place to be, call home and be safe. So that means that we can pile as many corpses for them to have that as we possibly need to. Like, that's all he has to offer for these people who are hungry for philosophy and politics. Like, that's fucking wild to me. All right. And welcome to Hannity. And tonight we are broadcasting. We are in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, and the site of the Republican governors. This is going to be the last video. I'll let Hannity explain it. But I think this is like the best video that I could possibly find. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm thinking it's going to encompass at least most of what the GOP is like focusing on, on what they're looking at, big picture to small picture or probably mostly just doing broad strokes of the picture in general because they always talk in vagueness rather than specific specific talking points or anything substantially you know you know worth discussing and possibly even progressing on so let's see here let's find out let's find out association and their spring conference now for the entire hour we're going to have an open discussion with six of the nation's top governors about the state of our country we'll take on immigration we'll talk about the southern border taxes law and order we'll also be talking about what works in the states and what i have been telling everybody and been listing as well what does it mean to be a conservative what are the policies that work for you the american people the conservative movement for me it's simple it's liberty, it is freedom, it is capitalism, our Constitution, including our First and Second Amendment. <laughs> oh, my God. So, like, here we are getting the broad strokes of the conservative party. We have liberty and freedom, which, yep, those are essentially the same words. And then we have capitalism, because we should all value economic systems more than essential human rights. Um, and then we have the Constitution, which, you know, apparently has to include the First and Second Amendment because the rest of the amendments be damn. As long as I got my First and Second, I'm feeling pretty goddamn American. And then what's the other ones? Low taxes, Low limited taxes. government regulation. <laughs> Low taxes, limited government regulation, essentially a weak government. Go on. Choice for our kids in school. Choice for kids in our school, which essentially means private schooling further weakening our education and public systems, weaker government. Continue. Oh, we do need integrity in elections. That would be voter ID laws to begin with, signature verification, partisan observers that can observe. And of course, voter integrity laws, which basically means the restriction of voter access so that it makes it easier for Republicans to uh, win elections because they won't win off their platforms or uh, or policy stances alone. They need to act, you know, narrow the amount of people that can actually vote. More secure borders. We believe in free market. More secure borders. Uh, we hate immigrants, even though businesses tend to use immigrants to uh, lower the pay that they would offer any American citizen. So we also kind of like immigrants. We just kind of want to also narrow and restrict the amount of immigrants that we take in, lest the Democrats get more voters because their policies tend to be a little bit more empathetic towards immigrants. But please continue, Sean. Market solutions for health care. Market solutions for healthcare. Wow. Wow. And like he just admits to a little bit of neoliberalism there because neoliberals believe that the market is better at dictating resources than the government. 
market solutions to healthcare, which like the problem of healthcare is that the market dictates it. Is that like the cost of the our healthcare in the United States is uh stupid high. And that's dictated by the market right now. So that's weird that you would have market solutions to what is a market problem. So please continue with these values of the conservative party, which so far are just a bunch of buzzwords that essentially mean something else entirely. Protecting people with pre-existing conditions. We believe in law and order. Wow. So the market solution to healthcare is to protect people with pre-existing conditions. How do you protect people with pre-existing conditions? You give them health insurance. But how do you protect them from the health insurance? You stop predatory, uh, you know, capitalism from coming in and siphoning all of their pockets because they're pre-conditioned. But my thing, my, my, my brain kind of floats away from that because if we're going to offer market solutions to protecting people with pre-existing conditions, people with pre-existing conditions have a likelihood of like a recycling recidivism process in a way of they need to continually go to the hospital, if not receive healthcare on a continued basis, which sounds like those are the money makers, you know, those are the whales because they're constantly returning to the market to be provided for a service, which shouldn't necessarily be a service as much as a something that should be provided. Um, but let's, okay. You know, I'm, mm. Okay. Order without law and order. Guess what? You can't pursue happiness. Free and fair trade, election integrity, and constitutionalists on the bench, and peace through strength. For me, that about sums it up. And peace through strength. That honestly is like really close to some Ingsoc shit. Like that. That. That's some real close to 1984 type of sloganing right there. Like peace is war. But peace through strength, like, that's almost the same thing. It's, it's so close. You know, peace through flexing, bitch, you know? And hopefully the governors will talk about what matters and what's been working in their states. Now, what we'll tell you what we're against as well. Cancel culture, defunding, dismantling the police. How come, like, we never... And this isn't this isn't relevant. It's sort of a rhetorical question, but how can we never debate whether or not like the world should have nukes? How come like we just have nukes now and we're all just like quiet? You know, we've got a certain amount of countries on this planet that can destroy it whenever they feel like it. We don't talk about that enough. The so-called bail reform where you get arrested, they let you out the same day without paying a dime. High regulations, draconian COVID-19 shutdowns that are still affecting so many people in the country. The Democrats on parties, unholy alliance with the teachers union. And allow me to spell out a few of the basic undeniable facts that even, well, if Sippy Cup is awake, which he's likely not, uh, might he even be able to understand. The, late, the fastest growing state in America by percentage is the state of Utah. The fastest growing state by sheer numbers is the state of Texas. The fastest growing... The fuck? Those numbers are from 2010. Okay, since then. All right, sorry, sorry. I had to, I had to continue reading. That was, that was weird. I thought he was getting census numbers from 2010. It's since 2010. Okay. Whew, chill out. 
region in the U.S. is the South. When the pandemic hit, millions of Americans, they flocked to Florida. And meanwhile, New York, California, Illinois, they all lost seats in the 2020 census, while states like Texas and Florida, North Carolina, they all gained seats. Freedom, individualism, safety, security, <laughs> key issues related to your prosperity. If Republicans, you want to take back power in Washington, you want to stop this power grab that we all talk about, the America First, Make America Great agenda, I think, needs to be articulated by anybody and everybody running for office. So without further ado, joining us... Essentially buzzwords. America First, nationalism, make America great again. When was it great? When we were more racist, more mis misogynist, more oppressive, essentially. So... Cool. Let's get it. Just now for the hour, we have New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, soon to be called Senator, if he would take my recommendation, but apparently he's resistant. <laughs> Iowa Governor, RGA Vice Chair Kim Reynolds is with us. Arizona Governor, RGA Chairman Doug Ducey is here. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is with us. South Dakota Governor Christy. Holy shit. Did she roll her eyes at DeSantis? Let me see that again. Ducey is here. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is with us. South Dakota Governor okay. Christie. I don't know. I, it looked like an eye roll. Like, Christie is like, I hate his smile and she hates everything about him. But maybe I'm assuming too much here. And the governor of the great state of Tennessee that is hosting all of us is Governor Bill Lee. And we're joined also by a live audience. You are free to yell anything you want at any time. With all of that said, if I'm going to be really blunt, forthright, and honest with you, uh, I want to get the hell out of New York, and I want to see which of you is going to offer me the best deal. Because uh, <laughs> I'm sure Perfect. you can... Oh, you, you're jumping in right away. Sean, you and I have talked about this. I have my DMV on standby. <laughs> you will get a driver's license minute. We'll register you to vote. This will happen very quickly. <laughs> well, you just need to pull the trigger. All right, now, we've been talking about this for years. I, I've owned property getting for 15 worse. years... But I also like Mount Rushmore, yes. and I also like country music. You are here. And you know. I want to be an Iowa farmer. <laughs> the only one who might lose out here is Arizona governor, because that dry heat thing is pretty awful in the summer. <laughs> and Governor Sununu, I live for your die. Live for your die license plate already with your name on it. <laughs> no. you well, thank you all. Well, Governor, you, you're our hosting guy. Let's start with you. So we have this mass migration from big blue states right. with high taxes, burdensome regulation, draconian shutdowns, and then we have the Republican governors that have very different models. Let's talk about it generally. Yeah. Well, our, our model you can see out on Broadway. It's open. Our businesses are open. People are, are going to restaurants. They're going to bars. There aren't any masks. This pandemic uh, has been quite a distraction to all of America, for sure, to say the least. But the health crisis is over. The emergency is over. We have fully opened up and are moving our state forward. And the reason... What's amazing is that a, pan a pandemic that turned out to be a, a distraction was a great opportunity for cooperation, but it did the exact opposite. So, yikes. yikes. And that we're doing that is because we followed the science. And, you know, the left likes to say, follow the science until they don't. Yeah. You, you, you can't follow you mean, the... You, you mean can't, the vaccinated Joe I mean, you with can't the vaccinated say follow the Jill, science. outdoors, yeah. socially yeah. distanced, 
walking into Jimmy Carter's house with a mask on then taking it off in front of the old people? You can't, yeah. yeah. That was brilliant. You can't say follow the science and keep kids out of school. Right. And you can't say follow the science and wear a mask after you're vaccinated or you certainly can't put COVID patients back into nursing homes if you follow the science. Thank you. Right. None of you did that. No. Thank you for having, having enough sense. Amazing. Governor Nolan, you were on the show regularly mm -hmm. throughout this pandemic. South Hmm. I don't know. It's pretty sus. There were multiple states that did that. Hold on. Hold on. Doing research, learning out how do 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 an article so long ago of the other states that had done it, but New York is the focused uh, state that had the worst deaths in the nursing homes, but there were other states that had implemented this. Huh. New law protects. No, no, no. It's all about Cuomo. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Man, sometimes I really hate Google. find it. I'm not going to be able to find it. Hmm. Man, I wish I could. Uh, I need to start saving articles a little bit better. So that's my apologies, but I'm pretty sure Florida and Arizona also had those nursing home policies. The same ones as Cuomo's in New York. Dakota never shut down. Never. Uh, we didn't close a single business ever. Uh, we, In fact, in South Dakota, we didn't even define what an essential business was. Because according to the oath I took to the South Dakota Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, I didn't believe I had the authority to tell anybody that their business wasn't essential. Um, I told my people I would trust them and that I was going to let them use personal responsibility to take care of their families, but keep their doors open, um, provide for their employees and their customers. And the people of South Dakota, uh, you know, appreciated it. We never issued a shelter in place, didn't mandate any masks or anything. And today we have the fastest growing GDP in the fourth quarter at 9.9% in the country. Our unemployment's 2.8%. Uh, we have the least amount of jobs lost, businesses closed, hours lost, wages lost from any employee in the country. And so what we did is we used conservative principles that we all talk about all the time. We've talked about them for years. We did them. Uh, and we're proving that it worked. And so that's really the story that I think we need to tell about 2020 is that leadership has consequences. And you just look at Democrat states and what happened to families and businesses there, you look at Republican states 
and how they're growing and they're thriving and what all these leaders up here did, how it works for the American people. So we talk about statistics and facts all the time, but those stories are going to be powerful when we uh, change the majority in Washington, D.C., and we change who's in the White House. One interview very early on, you said to me, I trust the people of my state, yeah. and I believe in them, mm -hmm. and, and it mm -hmm. paid off well for you. You know, Governor DeSantis is so funny because you got a little row or two with your buddy Andrew Cuomo in New York. And, you know, I'm looking at these other states that kids still aren't in school. Florida schools have been open since August. How is it possible they're watching you do this successfully and they still don't learn from it? Well, I think it's been a, probably the biggest mistake, tragedy, is locking these kids out of school. They're not following science. Mm -hmm. This is politics and ideology, and quite frankly, it's a disgrace. I was in Baker County, Florida. They celebrated the 180th day of being open, the full school year. They did the full school year, finished it today uh, from the very beginning, and every single parent from the beginning had the right to send their kids to school in person. Uh, I think there's obviously a lot of other policies that really mattered. Obviously, we didn't, we prevented uh, COVID patients from being sent to nursing homes. We created COVID-only nursing facilities to protect the most vulnerable. I think that that mattered, but I can tell you, locking kids out of school for over a year, that's gonna have ramifications for our country and those states it's not going to be days, weeks, months. It's going to be years. And some of these kids are not going to have a future as a result of those bad policies. You may not remember, but the very first interview we did since we, once we began to understand how severe this was, you told me, and I never forgot it, that you mobilized every single state agency in Florida to protect the elderly, to protect the older population in your state, which is significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the results are... Uh, 40 states have higher per capita mortality for age 65 and up compared to Florida. So we're one of the top 10 safest states for seniors. We prioritize our seniors for vaccination. CDC was saying do equity and political considerations. I said, no way. If you're 65 and up, we're getting you the vaccine. And I think we've done like 4 million seniors who've been who've and had vaccines. And, and places like Publix free of charge because they wanted to take care of their community. And you know what, Sean? And CVS and all these other that things. Florida isn't unique to any of that. Like, those are federal-wide policies. And yes, people said to focus on it equitably because predominantly Mexican, not Mexican, geez, racist asshole, um, Hispanic neighborhoods and black neighborhoods were predominantly ravaged through by COVID-19, especially with uh, a lot of them being three times more likely to be hospitalized due to it. So um, there is a case to be made for equitable distribution of vaccines as much as focusing in on old people. But again, the things that Ron DeSantis are bra bragging about pretty much happen nationwide. So if you're going to give Ron DeSantis credit for a lot of those things, you have to give it credit to the Democrats that they also supposedly hate. Would not have happened had President Trump not put the pedal to the metal, got those bureaucrats in line and said, we got to come up with this vaccine. If Biden had. Yeah, tr like literally nobody but Trump could have reduced the regulations to get a vaccine during a global pandemic out quicker. Literally nobody could do that. Nobody else would be able to pick up a pen and sign a piece of paper that skips the two to four year red tape of getting a vaccine out. Nobody would be able to do that. That's unique to the orange man who only has that capability.
had been president, this would have taken three or four years to be able to develop these vaccines. So you think about, we started vaccinating seniors in December. Uh, we hit uh, a million seniors in January, two million February. I mean, those are lives that were saved as a result of that presidential leadership. Well, I think saying President Biden and warp speed, they're direct opposites. I don't think anything is done. I'm just saying, by the way, the governors are not going to be responsible for any of the things I say as a talk show host. I give this disclaimer. Um, Senator Sununu. Um, <laughs> That's I, my brother. That's I'm, my brother. You can go, go talk to him. Unrelenting. You know, you have a state motto. Live free or die. Yeah. It's the title of a great book that came out before the election. I don't know if you heard about it. I've read it cover to cover. Uh, okay, Twice. thank you, Senator. Uh <laughs> I'm guessing that's Hannity's book, but it's also a title of a Die Hard movie. So I, I guess it's like two-thirds or three-fourths of a Die Hard movie title, which is Live Free or Die Hard. So um, <laughs> conservatives are cool, really cool people. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness... <laughs> It, you made a lot of the same choices that these governors made. The mistakes were made in New York, in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, and California. How is it... Again, we're naming uh, states with very specific high uh, population densities in their uh, downtown metropolitan areas. So, you know, we can blame policy on its own, but there's a lot of policy criticism to go across the board. The fact that we did do lockdowns and yet nobody had the balls to pay people to stay home. Um, we only had the balls to reduce the amount of tax revenue that the government would get so that when it was time for a, a national emergency during a pandemic, we had less resources to handle it with, especially on top of the fact that Trump dismantled the pandemic response team back in 2018. So we can really focus in on Democrats for locking down businesses and making it difficult for uh, people to make money. But there was also a lot of other policy decisions that led to that being worse a lot worse than it needed to be. In fact, the whole pandemic, in a lot of ways, whether you're talking about masks, vaccines, lockdowns, discussions between average citizens, or what to truly believe about the uh, the origins of COVID-19, whether it's natural for us to have these things and the mutagens, and <sighs> it's just so wild how bad the United States fucked up, and yet we're still giving Republicans a little bit of credit because not as many people died. Um, not necessarily in their states because of their policy choices of keeping the economy free and open, but by just simply having the, the, the structure within their state or their cities to reduce the amount of infection possibilities, whereas New York is insanely difficult to do. So I, uh, oh God, just always reframing. It takes so much reframing of reality before we can actually get the conservative worldview to exist. They got everything so wrong, and you, nobody got it perfect because it was, it was imperfect. Yeah, we were, we were writing the playbook, right? Every right. governor had to write their own playbook based on their dynamics, based on what we're seeing. New, New Hampshire's a little different because in New, in New England, we have all these states that are really tight together. We're almost like counties in Florida almost. So we had to work together as governors for the most part. Um, and we did have to contend with New York and even Boston was, was in tough shape. I think Charlie Baker did a very good job, frankly, trying to deal the best he could with, with what was going on with the, the death rate in Boston. And we're kind of the tax-free suburb of that. And we're kind of in the middle. So obviously, the live for your die state, we, we without a doubt, 
led the charge on the flexibility, the opportunity, and now the economy, right? Uh, as Governor Nome points out, 2.8%. I think we have 2.77% unemployment. Oh, oh, I don't know. Come on. I'm, I, come the on. math is changing we, back we and forth. We may be a little right, 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 This is little great. We have a show about the <laughs> I like that. But, but every governor had to write the playbook and find, and it was about balance. I think one of the key issues that governors did very well is you had to earn public trust in the crisis early on. And you do that with. It's very fascinating to me that, like, it's something worthy of bragging about when you have, like, low unemployment. But what are the quality of those jobs? Like, I get unemployment is like, you know, having your citizens employed sounds like a good thing. But then I do question what are the quality of those jobs and is it worth that level of unemployment for it to be so low? Is it really worth that many people being on those jobs if they're not really quality of living standard jobs? So, I, you know, we can applaud a politician for having a low unemployment rate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good economy with transparency and with communication. And when you do that and you earn that public trust, as we're coming out of it, they trust you to make the right decisions coming well, out of it. Well, I didn't notice any of you writing any books in the middle of all this, talking <laughs> about how great leaders you were and making five million bucks, just saying. Um, by the way, they want me out of New York, so just... What a weird flex in the middle of this, Hannity. What a weird flex. He's like, well, I didn't see any of you make five million dollars writing a book about how conservatives are really good. Like, what the fuck? That was... What did that even have to do with anything? <laughs> He's like, oh, this guy employs people? Well, I make money. <laughs> so you know. But, you know it, but this matters, though. How, if you're going to be a leader, the decisions you make for the people in your state under these circumstances are hard. Governor, I, I remember in Iowa, there was a moment, one of your meatpacking facilities, yep. the same thing happened mm -hmm. in South Dakota. Yeah, yeah. And, and I watched how you handled that and it was spectacular, to be very honest, because you guys went right in. It was like yep. full core press yep. and surrounded the area. And yep. tell us tell us about it. Well, first of all. <laughs> so what do you love about it? There was infections at meat processing plants and you were glad that the governor showed up to those? What? A, like, bitch, what? Like, how did that? Mm. What are we praising these people for? Honestly, like, and again, like, we shouldn't be worshiping politicians. There are, they're the people who clean up our political shit. Like, we're not supposed to be proud of them unless they do a sufficient enough job. But like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, I can't believe these people actually put on suits every day thinking that we have to take them seriously while they toy with everybody's resources and lives. And then when they do the bare minimum, we have to suck their dick until they come onto our faces. Like, what the fuck? Uh, all right sorry mom if you're listening to that one i'm sorry but it's it's just that's that's the thing that's really the thing it's just it's i can't believe how much we're just like jerking off these politicians right now just based off of the fact that we made it through the pandemic wow my farmers and producers produce over 10% of the nation's food supply, so it was imperative that we kept our food processing plants open and we kept our grocery stores full and meat on the table uh, for families all across this country. And so we were able to go in and do surveillance testing. We were able to access a certain amount large number of tests so that we could not only keep the processing plants over open, but we could um, ensure the employees that they were working in a safe environment not only do so what's fascinating to me is is that she gives credit to testing COVID testing to make sure that nobody is coming into work with COVID and infecting their co-workers 
You know who was against testing? Former President of the United States, Donald Trump. Do you remember when he was on the campaign trail and he would say, if we got rid of testing, COVID would go away? And yet now, it's one of the tools and resources that we use to make us successful and now is being co-opted by the Republican Party, the same Republican Party that was against testing at a certain point. Now it's being used by them to say how good of a job they did. Interesting. Interesting. We provide the PPE, but we were able to test those that were positive, were quarantine, quarantined, quarantined, and we were able to keep our processing plants up and going. And I mean, and not back up hog production for our producers. And we were looking at some horrific numbers because the processing plants uh, were being impacted from COVID. And so we hit it head on. We made testing available. We were able to uh, implement a, a really robust um, data program that really allowed us to write down to a zip code, identify where the positive cases were at, and, and act accordingly. When New York was at its worst, I remember saying both on radio and TV, if the manufacturers, the medical yep. manufacturers, the food suppliers, if they didn't manufacture, right. if the packers didn't pack and the drivers didn't, tr the truckers Truck. didn't truck, yep. New York mm -hmm. would have died. That's right. I mean, right. literally, you were a lifeline for, yeah. for people in really significant trouble at that time. And we were able to do it in a safe and responsible manner. We were able to keep our economy open. We were able to balance the lives and livelihoods of Iowans and to do it in a responsible manner. And all of us were able to do that, and I think we're reaping the benefits of that today because we're coming back stronger than ever uh, from the pandemic, and we have a lot of opportunities uh, in the state. Number one state for opportunity, I think, is what I, where Iowa ranks. Second, second fastest recovery from COVID. Boy, this is Isn't be, it wonderful? Yes. This is, everybody's going to be a benefit. We should have done this in the octagon. <laughs> we, um, we can all tell our, we all have our statistics, right? Yeah. Uh, no, and by the way, in fairness, if you compare them to any Democrats, it's much better. Mm -hmm. uh, Governor Ducey, Arizona, similarly, a large population of older people, right? You had certain challenges throughout this pandemic. But you were able to overcome it. How? Well, we focused on the vulnerable right from the beginning, and we knew that was the older folks. I mean, when Governor Lee says follow the science, we knew it was 65 years and older, people with underlying health conditions. And this, this conference call that we would hold as governors, we came to some conclusions that we were going to prioritize lives and livelihoods, and all of us were going to err on the side of liberty and limited government. It was going to be a light touch. We were going to listen, inform our citizens, trust our citizens. I believe Arizonans have common sense. And, Sean, it was a tough year. I mean, there's no winner in a COVID year, but you want to do the right thing so that your state can navigate through it and come out of it healthier and stronger on the other side. That's where Arizona is. We're leading the country in personal income growth. And if you don't like the dry heat, you've got to check out Flagstaff, Arizona, or the White Mountains. Uh, that's actually a good point. Yeah. I remember being out there one summer on a walk outside. Of I mean, he gave, like, the most, like, bland response. Like, none of that yet again was very unique to Arizona. Um, it was essentially a lot of policies that went around the whole nation except for like a lot of other places did do lockdowns uh mainly democrat uh, places but um a lot of focusing in on the older groups was not something that republicans just did nor focusing on on the vul vulnerable groups but uh they keep taking credit for it as if it was a sole proponent of the conservative party and it's not true
Um, and then for some reason, we pivoted away from talking about that bland politician response of what they did right during the COVID-19 process to talking about tourist spots in Arizona, because this is very important. Of a radio station with J.D. Hayworth, and I'm like, I can't breathe. Uh, it, was, it was really rough. All right, so all of you have this problem. And the problem is people from New York and New Jersey and California and Michigan, they're leaving their states. Mm -hmm. And they're going to your states. Your Florida seen a huge impact of migration out of the out of these blue states. Now, my only fear for all of you, and I'll let you start first, Governor DeSantis, is that they may bring the liberal policies with them. <laughs> so it's interesting with Florida, like the media at the beginning of this said Florida's bad. And I think it's because they wanted to damage Trump in Florida, they wanted to damage me. So they just kept saying it was bad, and even though the facts didn't say. Like, literally, last April, they're saying Florida's doing worse than New York. New York was, like, ten times worse. And so I think what it did is the people that buy those... Uh, New York was doing ten times worse at the beginning of the pandemic, that's true. And that's mainly because uh, New York City was a, like, kind of main uh, tourist port. And it took the Trump administration a decent amount of time to close off our borders. Um... As far as Florida goes, after pretty much uh, COVID had ran through as much of New York City as it could, then Florida became the epicenter of our uh, contagions. So um, I don't know where Ron DeSantis is living in, but um, it's it's not Florida if he's forgetting that. Phony narratives for these these media. Oh yeah, no, that's right. That's why, that's why that didn't happen because everything's fake news. Anything that criticizes a Republican is fake news. I, I forgot. Oops. They probably aren't coming to Florida, but most people see through it. But the people that see through it, they think like us. And so I think a lot of these people are coming. Uh, I think they're registering as Republicans, overwhelming. And I also have come across a lot of people who, quite frankly, were Democrats, the lockdowns turned them into Republicans because they say, I cannot fathom. Mm -hmm. I was, a, people say, I was a Democrat because of education and I'm in California and they're locking my kids out of school. I come to Florida, they're in school, people are free, people are happy. So I think this whole process has caused some people to reevaluate some of their prior commitments. And if you have a political party that puts the interest of teachers' unions over the interests of kids being able to just access an education at all, that tells you all you need to know about the modern Democrat Party. Mm -hmm. Well said. But what are you going to do if, like, you have no teachers? What is the point of bringing kids in schools if you have no teachers? And what's so wrong with teachers being assured that their safety is of utmost top priority uh, alongside the child's education, which a lot of Republican states could not guarantee to the teachers because they did not want to do the necessary precautions and preparations to bring kids back to school during a pandemic. So rather than just build it, like blaming our teachers, which are some of the most essential workers on the planet, um, I would blame the political leadership who said that COVID-19 is not that big of a deal for younger people and we shouldn't really be concerned about protecting them whatsoever, even if they have to come into contact with older people who might be in higher risk categories. Lazy answer, Ron. Very, very dumb. Awesome. Awesome. Governor Nome. These people put on suits every day and we're supposed to take them seriously. I've taken great note of the ads that you are running saying, come on to South Dakota. We, we openly welcome you. And specifically, and you did the same thing many of you have with law enforcement. We'll yes. get to that in a little bit. Yep. But 
you're saying this is an opportunity for the state of South Dakota to grow, and you are enticing people to come. Yes. We, you know, I ran for governor on the fact that I was going to bring the next big industry to the state, and I was going to grow this state, that we wanted it to be a place where our kids got out of school and wanted to raise their families there, uh, surrounded by the people that they love. Uh, what was interesting is I also ran on South Dakota being an example to the nation, and what's happened during this pandemic pandemic has allowed us to tell our story. Um, the thousands of people are moving to our state, and when you ask them, they say that they're moving there because they want to live somewhere that the government respects them. They want to live somewhere they can be free. Uh, South Dakota wasn't on their radar a year ago to move to, uh, but it is now. And, and they wanted to live where they could have a quality of life and they'd be respected. We did one week of a national advertising campaign to law enforcement officers and told them, if you want to live somewhere where you're supported, uh, where people respect you and will help you take care of your families and be successful, come to South Dakota. And in that one week, we had Yikes. hundreds and hundreds of applications from 41 different states. Of I think the horrifying thing that came out of like the Blue Lives Matter, Derek Chauvin shit is that like police feel disrespected if they're forced to face accountability like any normal citizen would. Um, and so for South Dakota to display that message out there that you'll be respected here, just like dog whistle a little bit to me, it might not be true, but it just sounds like a dog whistle of, hey, we look the other way, you know? So um, cool, cool. Law enforcement officers that said, I wanna live there. Yeah. Uh, because I know they truly respect law enforcement and they'll appreciate my service. And I know you, Governor, gave a, an incentive. You actually gave a bonus to everybody. Uh, Tennessee, now I love Nashville because I lived 90 miles south off I-65 when I was in Huntsville, Alabama. And I see the growth, the property prices are soaring, opportunity is soaring, business. Music City, right? USA. Tower cranes everywhere out there. Yeah, exactly. A lot happening. But it's but it's Florida, it's Texas, it's South, mm -hmm. it's all the states. I don't want to single all of them out here. But these states are all growing and benefiting. What is the key component? Is it liberty? Is it freedom? Is it low taxes? A combination? I, I think I'm still not even sure what they're talking about that they're growing. Is it growing by population? Because population isn't necessarily like a growth in population, especially if it's migrated population, isn't a sign of a success of a state. Um, like, are we talking about GDP growth? Are people moving there specifically for the Republican laws that have lower taxes? Are they moving there because there's better job opportunities? Um, is the job market growing? Is there more opportunities for employment there? Is it the housing market that's growing? There's a lot of room for development. Is it the private sector that has the opportunity to grow? Is there more room for businesses to come up? What does any of this mean? Like it's it's such vague nonsense to be like, all of you are growing so much and then not say how or why, except ask them as the follow-up, why do you think everyone's moving to your to your states? And I don't really have these numbers, but I feel like people move states all the time. So I'm just genuinely lost on what we're actually talking about here and why we're sucking their dick so hard. Like, is it really worth this much suckage? Are they doing that much to benefit the American people to deserve this much suckage? 
I really, I, I, mm, I'm not even being sold on anything other than the fact that I should just praise these local governments, even though I don't live there. So, hmm. Is this like a, is it a segment just to like praise conservatism as it is right now? I can't, I, I, I don't really know what the purpose of this is. Maybe to convince more people who might be conservative inside these democratic states to move to these other uh, states as well. Is this like a kind of advertisement for all of these states to be like, hey, I'm the governor there and I'm doing fantastic. Are you rich and want to move? Well, come consider my place. Hmm. I don't know what the, the what the point of this was. I really don't. I think that people from all over this country are looking around unsatisfied in many states, the ones that we all know about, with life, in particular, life in the last year. And they've been, they've been looking for a long time, but suddenly this, the differences between our states and those blue states are stark. You know, their kids have been out of school for a year. In Tennessee, all of the kids are in school. In fact, we have a strong school are choice Are they wearing program. masks? They're not wearing masks. So that's the, the, in, in a couple districts, they are. We have a, a law in this state that allows districts to make that decision. But I've said, I don't think any kid ought to wear a mask. Why? If you want to follow the science, you wouldn't have kids in a school wearing masks when kids do not get sick from COVID. Um, that's science, and that's what we ought to be doing. But That isn't science. Uh, kids do get sick from COVID. There's... There's cases of children getting sick from COVID. That's that's a weird, baseless claim to make. Um, so kids not wearing masks at school wasn't a sufficient argument that was just made right now. I, you know what this is? This this is a twenty minute long advertisement for these states to be like, hey, are you rich and tired of your Democrat policies asking you to wear a mask? Well, consider moving to my my state where we don't ask you to wear a mask because you know what, your kids are fine. Grandma, she might want to stay where she's at. School choices in states like ours, parents get to choose. Tennessee's the third lowest tax per capita state in the country. We just announced two major ECD moves. In All right, yeah, this, this is a 20-minute segment to convince rich conservatives to move to these rich conservative states. All right. Took me about 21 minutes, but I found I found the essence of this video segment. Cool. Enormous companies that have decided to move one from California, one from Michigan to put their locations here in this state. We're our, our regulation uh, in this state is really different than it is in these states that have actually increased regulation. Our taxes have been reduced. We cut taxes this year. Those states have increased oh, wait a minute. So, I, I love Joe saying if you take any money, he says, oh, you can't take money and cut yeah, taxes yeah, in your state. Yeah. They had to pull back on that. But back. I'm like, really? Because we offer tax cuts to our citizens. So there's a combination. <laughs> there's a combination. By the way, this, this, this is like the Chamber of Commerce for every uh, state. Yeah, now, it right? is. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm actually describing a lot of... It's amazing to me, too, is as the government's revenue continues to get, like, cut, constantly because we keep cutting taxes politicians income doesn't decrease their 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 income should be tied to the government revenue but it's not 
It's not. It's 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 funded through their campaigns, which essentially receive donations from either dark money or open packs of political action committees made of of very rich conglomerates coming together to fuel a politician shill. Um, so I find it very fascinating that the argument to cut revenue is sold to the American people as like, this is in your best interest because you get to keep more of your money. But then when we really think about it, it's a weakened government, which tends to not have much bargaining power against corporations, which sees more and more power. And we head into a cyberpunk dystopia. Ah, cool. Thanks, Republicans. I love you. Republicans. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of yep. Republicans right taxes? here who cut taxes, who have lower regulation, who have choices for parents, who have uh, a, a business environment that's attractive to business. That's why every single one of these states, including mine, you know, U-Haul says they measure trucks going in that don't come out, and Tennessee's number one for that. We all have our statistic. There's a stark difference in this country that has surfaced that we all in America see now, and that's why the migration. We've got to take a break, but that's that is the phenomenon. I know that for California, if you rented a U-Haul to go to Texas, you pay like twenty-five hundred bucks. If you had taken a U-Haul from Texas to California, you could basically get it for free. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, more with our governor. Just hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox. I yai yai again. Nothing like really substantial offered from the conservative party except for hey we fight the culture war and it's the side that you're on and that's pretty much it like you hate pc culture conservatives you hate woke people conservatives you you hate buzzwords that float around in the leftist sphere that you don't really know what they mean conservatives you like lowered taxes conservatives you like private school destroying the public education system forcing poor people to have a lower education than the rest of us conservatives it's super cool stuff i'm, I'm so glad that i got to watch a 20-minute advertisement for republican states that's awesome good good for you fox good stuff awesome well, that's been Tox News, and you've been detoxified. I am your host, Wacko Weirdo, Rebel Scum Jedi Hero, whichever side you're on. Uh, find me on Twitter at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. Uh, YouTube channel, like if you liked it, dislike if you don't. Subscribe, rate, review, share it with a boomer, share it with a Gen Z, and then end your relationship with them, and then proceed. Don't move states. Rather, move rooms. You know, if you've got multiple rooms move it and then if, if if you if you live in a studio apartment just move where your bed is you know rather than moving to a state that's really only interested in increasing its workforce uh yep see ya